It is uh, awesome to see, you know, everybody sitting in the seats. You know, it's good to see my friends, even though a lot of times, most of the time, it's behind a mask, uh, but I'll still take it. So thank you for being here. Uh, if you're watching on Facebook, just want to say thank you for tuning in, for remaining to be connected to the church. And so uh, it's just a, an awesome uh, thing to know that you're out there. I want everybody to know that's watching online that we feel your presence. And uh, again, we thank you for connecting to the church this morning. You know, when I was uh, walking into the office this week one day, um, I remember I had my backpack and I was putting my mask on. And uh, I was just thinking about today, about sharing with you. And, and I, I remember thinking, man, this is a really weird time that we're living in. I mean, weird is a good word for it. I mean, if you think about it, we had a virus that shut pretty much our entire state, our entire country down. During the midst of all this, we've seen civil unrest. We've seen uh, protests, and we've seen outright riots in the streets. And so it's a weird time. Um, there's a lot of division. I mean, we've had division before this, and it seems like all of this stuff has just cemented that division. It's, it's worked to kind of push us away in our, in our divided lines. I mean, it's kind of hard to argue that that hasn't been the case. And you know, just recently, uh, words like patriotism can spark debate, heated debate about patriotism or nationalism. And so I want to talk a little bit about patriotism. It's my opinion that patriotism has been a catalyst for, for change, catalyst for the development of our country since its beginning. See, patriotism is what drove hundreds of thousands of men and women to, to go and fight tyranny in World War II in, in foreign lands. And so I'm thankful that they had that patriotic urge to do that. Otherwise, we might be speaking a different language right now. That's very possible. If they hadn't had that urge to do it, if they hadn't defeated the Germans in their tyranny. You know, those people that did that, we call them the greatest generation. And without their response, we might not be, even be able to be here today and worshiping God freely. I might not be able to stand up here and speak about a man named Jesus had it not been for their sacrifice, for their patriotism. You know, on September the 10th, 2001, there weren't a whole lot of flags to be seen except at municipal buildings and different places. I remember it. I lived through that. But on September the 12th, there was a flag on just about every porch. There was a flag in just about every storefront. I wanted to get one of those flags that you could clip onto your window in your car. I couldn't get one. They were sold out. I couldn't find it. There were flags everywhere. See, I believe it was our patriotism during those days that united us and brought us together. Even though, as we know now, it really didn't last. During those days, the divisions that are alive today were alive then. But it seems like after that occurrence, there wasn't a whole lot of talk about black versus white. It seems like all those divisions just kind of faded. Just kind of faded for a little while. We all proudly identified as Americans during those days, during those trying and those tragic and those scary days. Even though, in my opinion, it was fleeting. You know, I have a sense of patriotism that was instilled in me since I was a kid. 
I was taught to, to be proud of our country. I stand for the national anthem today, and I put my hand over my heart, or I put my hat over my heart if I'm wearing one, and sometimes I get choked up thinking about the sacrifices that my family members have made. Because, see, my family has a long military tradition. I've had uh, relatives who fought as far back as I, I know in World War II, in Korea, in Vietnam, in First and Second Desert Storm, and in our latest battles in Afghanistan. I have a cousin, his name was Chief Petty Officer Edward Earhart. He was the first casualty pulled out of the Pentagon on 9-11. I have another cousin, Chief Petty Officer Colin Trent Thomas, and SEAL Team 6 member, who died in Afghanistan just one month shy of the 13th anniversary of 9-11. See, Colin was Edward's best friend, and he was moved to serve because of Edward's sacrifice, and he made that sacrifice himself. So I am proud of the heritage and the sacrifice of my family. I have a patriotic pride in that, the things that they did. And see, I see, in that sense, I see patriotism as a very positive thing. I see it as a positive thing. But can patriotism lead to bad things? Just like anything, anything can be twisted to represent something bad. The best example I can give you is Adolf Hitler. He twisted patriotism. And then he mixed it and he laced it with lies and with propaganda to, to kind of fuel the emotions of the German people of the day. It was patriotism that he used to do that. He used it to foment hatred to entire races of people, namely the Jews. And he set out to murder everybody who he claimed to be a threat to his ideals, to the German way of life. And unfortunately, in those days, very few people objected. Even in the world, leading up to World War II in the 1930s, many countries stayed neutral. Many countries refused to speak out against Hitler's rage. So he led the German people to believe that all their socioeconomic problems were due to the Jewish race. Patriotic allegiance to the Third Reich was even more important than any of the weakest Germans in the country. He took the mentally ill, he took the elderly, he took the disabled, and he put them away in concentration camps. He abandoned them to die, and sometimes even murdered the weakest. And the church was persecuted in Germany. Clergy who dared to speak out against his program were imprisoned and killed. A man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer is the most popular one that we know of. He was jailed in a concentration camp because he dared to speak out against the German Reich. And just 21 days before Hitler would take his own life in that bunker in Berlin, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was hanged in a concentration camp. Distorted ideas of faith patriotism last here today. You know, all, all this that, that Hitler did, he did it in the name of, of patriotism to the German idea of a utopian society. That's how far he twisted it. And like I said, those, those ideas are alive and well today. There's a lot of hate groups in our own country that use patriotism 
as their reason for doing what they're doing. You know, namely the KKK claimed to be doing their patriotic duty to their country. Because patriotism, it can be co-opted and it can be twisted and it can be contrived to do some pretty destructive things, to promote some pretty destructive ideas. Now, I believe that patriotism, it's an important part in maintaining this American experiment into freedom that we're all a part of. And in that light, I consider myself a patriot. I do. But, but how, do, how does patriotism, how does it mesh uh, with the church? How does it mesh with this construction that Jesus has provided here on earth? How does it mesh with the church of Jesus Christ? And so that's what I want to explore with you today. See, because I think there is a confusion that exists in our country. I think there's a confusion between God, America, and the church. I truly believe that exists. You know, there was a LifeWay survey recently that that surveyed a group of Protestant pastors. And and they asked them if they felt it was important to to instill or to, to create programs Uh, into worship services leading up to the Independence Day celebration, leading up to the 4th of July. And 61% of those pastors stated that, yes, it was important to to have patriotic songs or patriotic services during normal worship services. Yet, out of the same group of ministers, 53% admitted that they feel that their congregations love America more than they love God. That represents to me a confusion about that relationship between America and God and the church. And I think there's good reason for that confusion. You know, as our country formed, and as early as 60 years ago, the church was the center of the community. You know, when a, when a settlement, when a town was developed, even earlier than that, the first thing that they had to find, the first thing they, they built the city around was a water source. And so our town, Versailles, was originally called Falling Springs. And the reason it was called Falling Springs is because it was settled around spring, a spring called Falling Springs. And most usually in these settlements, the first building that was constructed was a church. And it was the center of the community. It was the largest meeting place in town. It became the gathering place in town. The government meetings took place in the church. Political debates took place in the church. The pastors were respected members of the community and they were respected by the government. And as our nation was formed, America, God, and the church were seen as one. See, we're perceived, or maybe you can say we used to be perceived as a Christian nation. It's really less by what the founding fathers did and more by the role that the church took in forming society. You know, I, I, don't get me wrong, the founding fathers, I thoroughly believe when you read the Constitution that, that basically they founded this country based on godly principles, based on the fact that there is a God. But do you know that not even all of the framers agreed that Jesus was a deity? Even though they believed in godly principles. And so all of this, all this stuff, I think it's led to blurred lines. Blurred lines that creates confusion between patriotism and the church. I've heard people say, and I'll bet you I've said this 
during my lifetime that America is God's chosen country and Americans are God's chosen people. And folks, I'm going to tell you, there's nothing biblical to that statement. I believe that's a construct that we've created. Because there's one chosen land and one chosen people talked about in the Bible, and it's not us. And so if there's confusion about between church and patriotism, between church, God, and the country, then, then I think we have to have some clarity. And here's what I can say to help you clarify this. We as Christians, we have a dual citizenship, but we have one allegiance. A dual citizenship, but one allegiance. Paul said this, For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. First thing, I thought betwixt was an Eastern Kentucky slang term, but turns out it's a, it's a King James Version term. But I used to say betwixt all the time. But I think that what Paul was saying is true. We're stuck in the middle between two opposing worlds as Americans and as Christians. For one example, we are responsible to submit to earthly authorities. That is biblical. Paul said this in Romans. He said, everyone must submit to governing authorities for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist are instituted by God. So then the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command. And those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. Sometimes I don't like that verse. But it's there. And I don't think there's much room for interpretation when we read those verses when, from the Apostle Paul. See, we've been through some pretty tough times as a church. We've had to make some very difficult decisions here in the last six months. Our government first recommended and then mandated that we shut down for in-person services. Now that, that brought about a lot of discussion as I imagine you could probably understand. And we did shut down our in-person services in March. Not when we were made to, but when, we were when it was recommended. We obeyed earthly authority. And you know, some people I'm sure didn't like that. And I think that uh, some people um, weren't really happy or were concerned when we talked about reopening the church. I want to say this. I want to say this with all humility. That either way, there hasn't been a huge outcry. There hasn't been a lot of complaining from the people that call this place their church. And I am humbled by that. That we have felt nothing but support in making these decisions. And, and we, are, we, we just see that in all humility. And we thank you for, for that and being the body of Christ. And see, the verses that I read to you, they don't say that you obey earthly leaders if you agree with their politics. Those verses don't say agree with your earthly leaders if they are in the same political party that you're in. It says agree with your earthly leaders because they are appointed by God. And we, have to, we may have to make some more tough decisions before all this is over. I don't see a whole lot of light at the end of the tunnel right now with the coronavirus. So we may have to make more tough decisions. But I'm going to tell you this. If we honor God and seek His counsel, He'll bless our decisions. I've seen that, and I believe it with all of my heart. But now, is there a, an exception to obeying earthly leaders? 
Yes, there is. If the government says you have to stop being the church, then we'll say no. And I'm going to tell you, be real up front with you right now. When the government asked us and even mandated churches to close, they did not require that we stop being the church. We've tried to stand up here in this pulpit and show you and explain to you that the church is still going strong. Rob just stood up here, and I think it's kind of funny. He said they've been slow, but he had a lot to tell you about, didn't he? Can you imagine what it would be like for the deacons if they weren't slow right now? You're funding the missions of this church. Last week I shared with you that our missionaries are fully funded. A lot of people are cutting their their support, but we don't have to do that right now. We have online stuff we're doing, we're working hard, and the church is still the church. But if the government says we can't be the church, then we have to say no. If the government says that we can't speak the name of Jesus Christ in the public square, then we have to raise our hand and say, wait a minute. There's a time that we may have to disobey. And when we do that, and when we dig our heels in, there will probably be consequences. You know, we just went through a late tax season. If you didn't pay your taxes, if you haven't heard from the IRS, you will. Because there's, there's sanctions. There's going to be issues that we'll have to deal with the consequences, but we'll have to do that with joy. And we'll have to do that with the joy of God in our heart, knowing that we're obeying God. When obedience to earthly authorities requires disobedience to God, then we have to say no. We have to disobey. As Christians, we're a part of a new kingdom, and Jesus is our king. We're all on this journey, just like Paul said. We're all on this journey that leads us right in the middle between two opposing worlds. That's a dual citizenship. And so we need clarity in understanding that dual citizenship. So there's three things I want you to consider, three things I want to share about this this touchy alliance that we have between God and country. The first and probably the toughest one to hear is this. Our country does not have an exclusive or special relationship with God. When I wrote those words, and I knew when I said them, that I knew I was going to be offending the sensibilities of some people. The reason I know that is because it offends mine. Because honestly, uh, the way I'll put it is it goes against everything I've been told I believe in. That God, is, that God has some kind of special relationship with the United States. But folks, in the Old Testament, there was one chosen nation that God tells us about, and that's Israel. And there's one chosen people, and that's the Jews. But Jesus made a way for us to be adopted into His chosen people, into His family. As Christians, we are adopted into His people, into His nation. Paul said, now, if some of the branches were broken off, and you, though a wild olive branch, were grafted in among them, and have come to share in the rich root of the cultivated olive tree. This reminded me of visiting my wife's grandfather's house in Beattyville probably 30 years ago. And he loved to grow things, and he had an apple orchard out back. And we were walking in the back, and I noticed that he had some of these these seedlings that they had duct tape around the base of them. 
And I said, Sam, what, what are, what, why, why do you have duct tape on your trees? And he explained to me that there was a variety of apple that he wanted to grow that wasn't really indigenous to this region. And so it wouldn't last very well. The root system wouldn't develop very well. And so he grew a sapling of a tree that's hardy to this location. And then he split it, and he took a branch from the apple tree that he wanted to grow, and he grafted it into the strong root system. And the tape was there to hold it until it took root. So just like my, my uh, wife's grandfather grafted in this tree, we are grafted in to the, to, the, to the chosen people of God. We're grafted in to His family. But when we promote that God is America's special chosen nation, if we promote that, that's a lie. If we promote that, then we're placing our country in a light that God hasn't. Now, I want to say this. It, or, does God bless us when we honor Him as a country? Absolutely. And we should strive to do that. But we can't just claim this special relationship with God because we're America. God's chosen, special, blessed people, they've been established in His church, not in a country established here on earth. Folks, every country, including ours, is in the darkness of sin. You know, we can look around, and I know some people have told me, it's like we haven't been in any more dark. We've been in, we're in more darkness now than we ever have been. Things are worse than they've ever been. Well, I'll challenge you a little bit on that. Let's think back to the turn of the century with the Spanish flu. Now, if you really look at the statistics, and, and amazingly, they didn't really even keep good statistics back then, but the Spanish flu makes COVID look like a common cold. It was bad. And I can imagine that when people were living through that, that they were thinking, There's not, this, it hasn't been this bad before. What about World War I, the war to end all wars? Our, 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 our men were going over and fighting. They probably didn't even understand what they were fighting for. And your, your odds of surviving World War I were very slim. And I could imagine through that turmoil, people thought this is as bad as it's ever been. What about the Great Depression? What about the time when you couldn't even feed your family? I'm sure they looked at it and thought, this is as bleak as it's ever been. This is, the, this is the starting of the end times. I'm sure they were saying that. What about World War II? You talk about restricted freedoms. I'm sure people believe that was as bad as it's ever been. The, the, the Vietnam War, the race rights of the 60s, all of that. 9-11. Folks, we have always been in the darkness of sin. It hasn't changed. I'm not arguing that it's not worse today, but I'm sure others have felt the same way throughout the timeline of history. Our, our parents, our grandfathers have probably felt the same way. But God is calling His people out of the darkness so that His name will be known in this world. Because the Bible tells us that it's in the darkest places that the light of Christ will shine the brightest. And so we can see this, we can, we can wring our hands and worry about it, or we can see it as an opportunity to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to people that don't know Him. God chooses people, not countries, under His new covenant. Second point is this. Our heavenly citizenship is in heaven. Our primary citizenship is in heaven. While we're here on earth, we're citizens of one country or another. But let me tell you folks, that is temporary. 
That is earthly. For one thing, we are all going to die. The youngest and the healthiest and the, and the best of the best are going to die. None of us are getting out of this alive. You've heard that statement before. And it's so true. We're all going to die. But here's another thing to consider. America may cease to exist before Christ returns. America could possibly cease to exist before we die. You know, back in 2008, when they had all this financial stuff going on in the country, there was a term that was used when we were bailing out all these banks and financial institutions. That term was, they're too big to fail. I think we look at our country, and we think we're too big to fail. But you know what? I bet the Romans, at the height of the Roman Empire, thought this could never end. But it did. You know the former Soviet Union? That's why they call it the former Soviet Union, because it ended. Because it's over. It doesn't exist anymore. So all of this might be temporary. But as Christians, we have a citizenship that will never fade. As Christians, we have an eternal citizenship that we can count on. Because of what Jesus did, we are permanent citizens of the kingdom of God. And nothing here on this earth can take that away. So when we confuse our citizenship to the United States of America with our heavenly citizenship, then we confuse our allegiance to the kingdom of God with a country that was created here on earth. And I think we need to take care when we go towards that line, when we start to do that. And my third point is this, our allegiance our allegiance is to the kingdom of God. God loves people, not countries. His loyalty to us isn't dependent on a, on a geographic location, and it's not dependent on a time. Our loyalty to Him is not dependent on what He gives us, but it's dependent on who He is. And I tell you what, I think it's important to draw the line in the sand when we talk about our allegiances, our allegiance to Him needs to be more important than any allegiance to anything that this world has to offer. As Jesus followers, I think when we put our allegiance to anything else above His kingdom, then we're crossing that line we've drawn in the sand into idolatry. Paul said this, there is one body, one spirit, just as you are called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above and through all and in all. Paul is saying that Jesus is everything. Amen? Now I want to make sure that there's no confusion. I think patriotism to the United States. I think properly motivated. I think it's a good thing. I love my country. I consider myself a patriot. But as I get closer to Christ, as I get closer on that journey, as I'm trying to do, I've been trying to do so desperately to get closer to Jesus, as I come closer to Him, I understand that it is wrong for me to place anything higher of higher importance than to Jesus and His mission, to Christ and His mission here on earth. Now, I fail at that so much. I mean, I'm, be, I'm just being honest with you. I, I, I can't get on that perfectly, but I know as I grow, as I, I want to do better, I want to make sure 
that in my life I'm not elevating anything higher than Jesus and the mission that He's given all of us here on this earth. And, and I want to welcome you guys along on that journey as well. See, I love my country because of the freedom it lends me. And no other country in this world offers greater freedoms than the United States of America. When we start to compare those to the other, you're just kind of fooling yourself. There are no more freer people in the world than the people of the United States. See, my country gives me permission to worship my God freely. My country gives me permission to stand up here and tell you about a man named Jesus Christ. And I can do that pretty much with very few restrictions. My country lends me that permission, but folks, that could be temporary too. My prayer is someday if this country withdraws that permission from me, if it tells me that I can't do what I'm doing right now, if it tells you that you can't do what you're doing right now, I pray that we'll have the courage to continue to sing the name of Jesus Christ, to tell people about Him regardless of what the country's going to do to us. I pray that we have that type of courage if that ever happens. And you know, I worry about it. Because we're a spoiled country. We're used to these freedoms that we have. I know that there are people in other countries right now to this day that are dying because they refuse to denounce the name of Christ. I pray that we'll have that same courage should we ever be put in that situation. Because we have an eternal citizenship. And folks, I, I hope that we never get to the point where we feel like we can throw that away. I hope that we'll worship Jesus regardless of the sanctions if that comes to that. Our mission here on earth has no earthly borders. We are free in the kingdom of God. We're more free in the kingdom of God than any union on this earth. We're free to love the people right next to us. We're free to love people who are abroad. We're free to desire a better, more godly country. And I think we should. And I think we should work towards that. We do that because we're free in God's union. And I'll leave you with this. We worship God out of our desire for anticipating to be a part of the most perfect union of all. His kingdom. You know, today, I might ask my wife to bring me a, a communion cup. Um, we're getting into a time uh, where God, I want to, this, this is something that Jesus provided for us. That, thank you, honey. This is a time that Jesus provided for us. It's a way that we can show our allegiance to his kingdom. If you didn't get one of these, they're, they're out in the lobby. If you want to grab one, I'm sure one of the deacons might be willing to do that if you want to raise your hand. But it's a perfect way for us to say, Jesus, I'm here. Jesus, I pledge my allegiance to your kingdom. That your kingdom is more important to me than anything that this earth has to offer. See, Jesus, the night before he was crucified, he took these simple things, this simple loaf of bread, this simple cup of wine. And you know, that was common. That was a common thing that they did on the Passover was sharing this meal. But Jesus gave it a whole new meaning. See, Jesus said when we do this, we can remember him. We can remember his sacrifice for us. 
If you're a Christian, I think you know what this means. And I think it's a time where we can set in judgment. We can set and recommit our lives to Him. If you don't know Jesus, I can't assume that everybody here is a Christian. If you don't know Him, then, uh, then I would love to tell you more about Him. I hope that you've learned more about Him just today. would love to talk to you about that. There's several ways to get a hold of us. Online, you can get our contact information. We're not that hard to get a hold of individually. My cell number is on the, is on the website. If you're here, I would love to, to talk to you as well. Now, Jesus is everything. Jesus is our King, and we are a part of His kingdom.